The two biggest stories dominating Canadian news the last week are international in nature. Well, the World Cup, which everyone seems to be interested in, and the coming G20 and G8 summits, which will be hosted in Toronto and in the little town of Huntsville, respectively, and which, well, not a lot of people seem to be interested in, except the people who live and work in the security zone. So, I guess, the one thing that both stories have in common is that some people are annoyed. Yeah, some people are annoyed at FIFA because of those blessed Vuvuzela horns that are the source of that endless drone behind, the, behind that audio of every game. Apparently, the plastic horns are a South African tradition, and they blow them at every local game. Apparently, though, when played, the horns, by 20,000 spectators, they can be completely annoying and distracting. Players can't hear themselves, players can't hear the coaches, you can't hear the crowds. It's a problem. And it sounds like a scene from that killer bee movie, The Swarm. But the Vuvuzelas are not being banned. Apparently, it's a multi-million dollar merchandising deal that FIFA does not want to lose. We will have to live with them and with the potential eardrum damage. The G8 and G20 summits bring in slightly different challenges, such as the billion dollars that is being spent in security alone. Critics say that it shouldn't cost this much. No other G20 summit has cost that much. That it's all for show. Supporters say that this is what it costs. It's actually two summits, not one, and security for the Olympics also cost one billion and they didn't have all the world leaders to secure. I don't know about the cost. I'm more concerned about the disruption to the city that the G20 will cause. Whose idea was it to have a G20 summit in the middle of a city? It makes no sense. And apparently the guest list keeps increasing. The G20 is now close to a G33 and the G8 close to a G18. But I digress. I'm concerned about the protesters, the potential road closures, the traffic. Those spending $1 billion in security are also concerned with protesters and with terrorism. What choice do they have but to spend that much money in security? Here's my suggestion. Bring in those Vuvuzelas from South Africa and give them to each Toronto police officer. I bet there will be no protesters and definitely no terrorists. And instead of spending one billion, maybe at the same time, they would make some money. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello, here we are once again for Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. I'm Christian Matrenko. And as always, Mary Rose will be here with her diocesan updates. Today, we're going to meet Bishop Gary Gordon of the Northern Diocese of Whitehorse. And Chris, anything ex anything exciting in the news? Well, we're going to talk about the relationship between the church and Israel, some developments on mm -hmm. that front, and a couple of Canadian stories, uh, a world religion summit that's going to happen here in Canada, and also, uh, it's in court right now here in Toronto, the question of whether smoking marijuana can be protected as a religious right. Interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, we look forward to those stories. Now, Chris, tell me something. Are you any big plans for Father's Day? 
Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to be with my dad, so a card and a gift is going to have to a suffice. A card and I'm a afraid. gift, and I hope mm -hmm. the card's already in the mail so that you're mm -hmm. not sending it tomorrow. Um, well, of um, course. you know, it's important that we celebrate fathers. Um, and so today we're going to be speaking with Brian Caulfield. Uh, about an initiative for men by the Knights of Columbus, and you're, you're a knight, so you should know all about this. I am. Um, the initiative called Fathers for Good, so that'll be in about 10 minutes. And our featured artist of the week is Steve Angrisano. He's going to be in Canada and Calgary and Nova Scotia in, in uh, August. So that's where we begin with his song, Come and See, from his new album, Inescapable Love. Searching for, hoping for something real Praying this water might make me heal When he passed by And 
That was our featured artist of the week, Steve Angrisano with Come and See. I'll be speaking to Steve in about 25 minutes, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Send us messages to radio at saltandlighttv.org, and you can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and now here it's time for our diocesan update with Mary Rose. Thanks, Pedro. Okay, so let's start with Edmonton. Maybe you're starting a family or hope to start a family or already have a huge family or maybe <laughs> a small one. Well, then consider going to the annual Catholic Family Life Conference from July 1st to the 4th. It's a great weekend of inspiring talks, uplifting music, children's and, and youth ministries, too. Catholic devotions, daily Eucharist, and hundreds of other families there with you. All of the families can deepen their faith and support each other in raising strong Catholic families in a secular world. Events include a Men in Black Soccer Challenge in honor of the Year for Priests and youth sessions with Father Stan Fortuna known as the Rappin' Priest. Right. Register for this July 1st to the 4th conference at Lac Saint Anne by contacting Catholic Family Ministries, catholicfamilyministries.com. So that's the event for Edmonton. We all know the importance of solid Catholic formation for our young people, but this means we need to have solid formation for our youth ministers who work with these young people. Spend a week with youth ministers in the parish, school, or community. Find out about the tools and techniques you need to fulfill your mission well and creatively as a youth minister. This week-long seminar is part of the Canadian Certification in Youth Ministry Studies. It, it takes place at the Queen's House Retreat and Renewal Center in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan from July 20th to July 30th. For more information, send an email to yacinth at sitescapers.com. That's J-A-C-I-N-T-H-E at S-I-T-E-S-C-A-P-E-R-S dot com. Now on to the Archdiocese of St. Boniface. You're invited to celebrate Canada Day, July 1st, with the Archdiocese of St. Boniface. Celebrations start at 6 p.m. at the St. Boniface Cathedral in Winnipeg, and people of all ages are invited for the barbecue, live Christian bands, Christian merchandise, and of course, fireworks. The only thing you need to bring is your own chair. For more information, send an email to Pierre Saint Amand at PSTAMANT at archsaintboniface.ca. And now on to Toronto. I didn't know this, so it was interesting to find out that there is a North American convention for Chinese Catholic clergy, religious, and lay people. And the 30th, conven the 30th uh, actual convention, and the 30th convention of this kind is taking place in Toronto this year. In this convention, you can explore the challenges of maintaining the Chinese Catholic faith identity and traditions in today's society. There'll also be a focus on the faith challenges faced by young Chinese. Mm -hmm. So for this event, four Chinese Catholic parishes are getting together in Toronto to, to getting together in Toronto to put together this convention. It takes place from June 25th to the 28th. It's open to everyone and it will be conducted in English with simultaneous translation in Chinese. For more information, go to saintagnessau.org. That's S-A-I-N-T-A-G-N-E-S-T-S-A-O.org. Good. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. So that's uh, the diocesan update. Uh, Mary Rose will be back at the end of the show to introduce us to Bishop Gary Gordon 
of the Diocese of Whitehorse, Yukon. So stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann, and Mary Rose will be back in about 30 minutes, like I said, with Bishop Gary Gordon. But now, here is Krista Matrenko with our news. Yes, well, Pedro, Israel and the Holy See are taking another small step to resolving a long-standing historic dispute the Catholic Church in Israel normalized relations back in 1993, you might remember that. It was an act of trust that outstanding issues would be promptly resolved afterwards. But negotiations have continued 16 years since the signing of what they called the Fundamental Agreement. Now, the problems include the tax status of Catholic institutions in Israel. Going back to the creation of Israel, they want the same deal that existed for them in terms of taxation uh-huh. from before uh, the state was created. And, and also uh, issues concerning property. Uh, the Senecal, the site of the Last Supper, is one of those places that the Catholic Church claims property rights to. Right. And another issue is the granting of visas for visiting religious workers who uh, priests, for example, who want to come and and work in Israel for the church sometimes have difficulty getting visas. Hmm. Well, last year, Israel had said that the negotiations were in crisis, but today there are uh, positive developments from the plenary meeting earlier this week in a joint statement. Israel and the Holy See say that their bilateral commission has, quote, welcomed the progress accomplished since the previous plenary and has agreed on the next steps towards the conclusion of the agreement. Uh, Israel and the Holy See announced their next meeting, which will be held in July. I mean, you can look at this two ways, Pedro. They're putting it in a positive point of view, whereas I saw another headline that said, Israel and the Holy See still haven't come to an yeah, agreement on the yeah, issue. So, but at least it's progress. Yes. Now, that isn't stopping, though, the Latin patriarch from criticizing Israel on the subject of the Gaza siege. The Latin Patriarch is the person who is responsible for Latin Rite Catholics in uh, most of the Middle East and certainly all of the Holy Land. Now on May 31st, as you recall, a a convoy of ships attempted to bring supplies to Gaza and violence erupted when the Israeli military confronted this flotilla and nine activists were killed. A Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, Fouad Twal is his name, He's now saying that the Gaza siege needs to be lifted. Uh, he made the comments in a publication of the Caritas Jerusalem Aid Agency. He says that, quote, no people should have to undergo this siege. Many people are scarred by war and their houses have been destroyed. Now, he does say, interestingly, that there is aid coming into Gaza. And so it's not a total blockade. So he acknowledges this. But he says that Gazans haven't received what they need most which is peace and lasting peace. Right, mm-hmm. interesting. Um, well, that's the news for now. Thank you, Chris. Um, you will return in about 20 minutes to tell, right. us, uh, to tell us about our religious right to smoke marijuana. So or maybe lack thereof. <laughs> yes. yes, so stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. There seems to be so much research coming out now about the importance of a father in the life of a child, not just boys, but also girls. Some people truly believe that there is a crisis of fatherhood, and I agree with them. So in order to help celebrate fathers, we are joined now by Brian Caulfield of Fathers for Good, an initiative for men by the Knights of Columbus. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Brian. Well, thank you for having me, Pedro. Good to be here. Yes. So. Uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, what 
Fathers for Good is? What, what is Fathers for Good? Well, Fathers for Good is an initiative, as you mentioned, by the Knights of Columbus, um, conceived by our Supreme Knight, Carl Anderson. Uh-huh. And it was launched as a website, fathersforgood.org, about two years ago. And basically, we try to bring the message, a positive message of fatherhood, uh, specifically to Catholic men, but also for other men as well who are not Catholic, about the good news of fatherhood, which is that fathers are important in the lives of their children. They are very needed, and uh, that fatherhood is a, is a good thing for children and uh, for, their, for the mothers and, and the, uh, the wives uh, of these men. Right. Now, is it just, not, I don't mean just as in not important, but is it just the website, or are there more uh, initiatives that are related to Fathers for Good? Well, the main part of it is the website. Uh, we do have a couple of pamphlets and uh, booklets uh, related to it. Um, one that's been of particular interest is a guide to confession for fathers. Oh, interesting. And uh, this brings you through kind of a 10-point uh, examination of conscience and maybe some things that fathers may particularly be interested in and, and thinking about. And it, it's to get men to think about uh, confession and maybe coming back to confession uh, if they haven't been there for a long time. And we also have a couple of booklets. Uh, one is uh, A Man of God uh-huh. and A Life of Virtue and A Man of Prayer. And these basically are those uh, topics uh, from the viewpoint of men. Um, you know, as, as much as we share faith, um, you know, men's spirituality and women's spirituality um, can be different, different and men yeah. kind of approach things from a different different perspective, sure. more of a can-do attitude and, you know, less of a high spirituality, although, you know, I don't want to discount the great saints uh, who yeah. had that, but, you know, the basic man in the pew kind of wants to know, uh, what do I have to do and how do I get it done, yeah. a practical kind of uh, spirituality, so we try to go from that perspective. So, so that, since you brought it up, uh, you made me think. So, do you think that that is a particularly uh, male thing that men are more geared to, uh, to kind of results and, and doing things rather than a female approach that might be more uh, intuitive or relational? I think so, and I think research shows that. And many of our popular books, you know, the Venus and Mars books, yeah, uh, not even from a uh, religious perspective, uh, try to bring that out and. It's something that we need to be aware of. Of course, it's not always the case in every, with every person, and it's not always the case uh, within the lives of every person. Uh, but the basic trend is for men kind of to be, you know, the one who goes forward. He wants to be the protector. He wants to be the provider. He wants to be the one to kind of take the lead mm-hmm. and to get the answers and to get things done. To solve the problems. Yeah, yes, and, you know, less relational, less communicative, Yeah, and, and things of that sort. So there is a difference, and, you know, men and women need to be aware of it. Otherwise, they're going to set themselves up for kind of disillusionment and disappointment in their relationship. Yeah, conflict. Um, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking to Brian Caulfield of the Fathers for Good uh, uh, campaign or the website of the Knights of Columbus. Um, so, Brian, uh, um, why is it necessary? Why do we need Fathers for Good? Well, I think we need Fathers for Good because uh, in the popular media, uh, there's often a trend toward denigrating uh, uh-huh. the man or the male uh, ethic or fatherhood in particular. Um, I don't know how things are in Canada, but I'm sure they're not much it's different the same. Yeah. than here in the U.S. as far as primetime TV, um, as far as popular songs or popular movies. 
um, the men often are not uh, the prime movers, and often they're the ridiculous characters or the men who have to be led around uh, by the hand to right. uh, know what they're doing. Um, not all media, of course, but it's a popular image. Right. And the, uh, the idea of Fathers for Good is really to cut against that image and show men that there is a way where they can be productive and they can be involved in the lives of their wives and their children. And not only that, but that it's absolutely essential that they do so. Uh, mm-hmm. I think men and fathers are actually more important to their families than they even uh, suspect or expect. Yeah. And I think the social science research shows that uh, the absence of a father can be absolutely devastating uh, to the lives of children. Right. Um, just looking at the, uh, at you know, the, the research, social yeah. science data yeah. on the outcomes of children who grow up in fatherless homes. No, yeah, I read a I read a, a, a piece of research just the other day that said about about girls and girls that grow up without a father are I don't know what it was twenty percent more likely to be involved in 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 sexual activity as teenagers something like that yeah I don't want to put you on the spot but I you'd made me think of something else um, I- is there something intrinsically about fatherhood that's related to the fatherhood of God Yes, well I, I think so uh, we we deal with that a little bit on the site uh-huh. that we have. Uh, you know, how fathers are essential and how, you know, we're never going to be, you know, like God the Father. But uh, in a way, we have to try to model uh, that fatherhood. Uh, because even as St. Paul says that all fatherhood comes from the image of God the Father, you know, that image coming down from heaven. And it's for this very reason that a father really needs to pray. Uh. Uh, he needs to pray for the guidance. He needs to pray because we're not perfect, as we know. And uh, we can tend to fall if we don't look to God the Father for that model, for that strength, for that help in doing our daily work and doing our daily work at home with our children, with our wife. Um, And we see the devastation of divorce or separation. And, uh, you know, we like to think that uh, if men spent more time praying and praying with their wives Mm. and with their families, that a lot of this uh, may be prevented. Right. Do you? What would you say to people who try to uh, uh, feminize God or present God more as a mother, um, in terms of that important uh, characteristic uh, uh, of fatherhood, uh, God as Father? Yeah. Well, I mean, we know from Jesus that uh, He called God Father, and therefore, and He gave us the Our Father. Mm-hmm. So we know we approach God as a Father. And this is not to deny, you know, in Scripture, the many maternal yeah. images or sayings uh, regarding, regarding God, the, God in heaven. And, uh, you know, it's not to say that men can't have some maternal aspect to them. Right. I mean, I think Nurturing. fathers uh, realize yeah. that if you spend any time with your children, um, you're yeah. going to be there, uh, you know, drying their tears and, uh, you know, putting uh, Band-Aids on their boo-boos and things like that. Right. But uh, obviously you do it in, in, a, in a masculine way and you do it in a way that's appropriate for a father. So yes, I mean, we approach God as Father, and I think there should be a certain confidence in that. Uh, Jesus had a great confidence in going to his Father and asking his Father, and uh, he gives us that model of someone who has total trust and total uh, belief in the goodness of the Father. So uh, I think fathers need to go to God with that confidence, and then bring that confidence and that trust back into the family uh, because they have received it. They have been loved by the Father, and therefore they can love you know, with something of God the Father's love for them. 
Mm-hmm. So then the website is, uh, is, is there to provide resources, to provide proper role modeling, ideas for fathers, for men. Not, it's not just for fathers, right? It's also for men who maybe aspire to one day be a father or for sons of fathers. Yeah, right. it's, it's it's we try to make it a uh, kind of an open community. You can you know send in your emails and and get answers. Um, we encourage women for wives to go on also. Yeah, and we do we do have women go on and we hear from them and uh, sort of uh, they say I, I'm going to show this to my husband and maybe we can right. talk about this right. issue. Um, in, in a way, it, it gives women sort of an entree into some of the ideas or the concerns of their husbands that they may not have known otherwise and say. You know, let's talk about this, how fathers are essential. Let's talk about that men don't like to communicate as much, you uh-huh, know. And then they communicate about not communicating. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah, or communicate differently. Yes. Um, Brian, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, I hope that this has been uh, enough to get people at least intrigued enough to go to the website. Um, so uh, uh, happy Father's Day, I guess. Yes. That's how I should conclude. <laughs> happy Father's Day. And just remember, uh, fathersforgood.org. Yes, thank you so much. That was Brian Caulfield of the Fathers for Good Initiative of the Knights of Columbus. You can check out their website. There are all kinds of resources there, articles, there's videos, there's even, as Brian said, stuff for wives and mothers. So check it out, fathersforgood.org. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Steve Angrisano, with his song, Pour Out Your Love, from his new album, Inescapable Love. Here in your dwelling place Here in the light of your holiness Here where your people wait For mercy to fall Mercy to fall Fall on our weary hearts Into the restless world we know Fill us with all you
was Steve Angrisano with his song, Pour Out Your Love. We will be speaking with Steve in about five minutes, but first here back with us is Chris. Well, Pedro, I'm going to begin with a question. Do you think being able to smoke marijuana <laughs> should be protected as uh, religious yeah, freedom? Yeah, I don't even know if that's a serious question. <laughs> I know. I, I um, like putting you on the spot. Yeah, but, uh, I, that's a good one. Well, religious it's, freedom. It, mm. uh, I mean, most people consider it a rather ridiculous question, but yeah. it's right now in front of the Ontario Superior Court. Crazy. And it actually has fairly broad implications, and I'll tell you why. Two members of the Church of the Universe, that's what it's called, they were arrested in 2006 for trafficking pot in Toronto. Now, they're arguing that uh, laws prohibiting marijuana use, still illegal in Canada, are unconstitutional because smoking pot is part of the religion of the Church of the Universe. Yes. Now, freedom of religion is protected in Canada in the Constitution under something called the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So the question is, is the Church of the Universe a real religion and is marijuana use a real religious practice? So experts are being called to testify as to whether the Church of the Universe resembles the main attributes shared by other religions. And this might be the first time ever that a court has been decided, uh, been been charged with trying to define what is a, legit a legitimate re religion. This is yeah. something that's largely just assumed and uh, we don't really have a working definition. And that, uh, myself coming from a religious studies background in university, I can tell you that's going to be something very difficult to come by. Fascinating, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, another story here in Canada, but it with international implications, is a world religion summit mm -hmm. from for interfaith leaders in the G8 nations. You were talking earlier about the, the G8 and G20 summits. Yes. And uh, it's not something that I'd say that uh, most of us in Toronto are really looking forward to. In fact, there was a uh, an, an event that was going to be called God at City Hall and talking about the role of, of faith with the municipal politics. And uh, and even God couldn't get through the security <laughs> barrier, it seemed, because that event was cancelled because it yeah. was supposed to be in this, this very large restricted area during the summit. Yeah. Well, this other event that's going to be happening is, is safely far enough away. It's in Winnipeg, but leaders will be coming from all around the world. Uh, one of the leaders is, is uh, Cardinal Peter Turkson, who is the head of the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace, uh, formerly held by Cardinal Renato Martino, quite famously. And uh, and so he is is one of the the main leaders who's coming. Another person scheduled to be there is a uh, patriarch Kirill, who's the head of the Russian Orthodox Church. And now the reason why these religious leaders from all over the world are coming is so that they can present a unified voice because there are so many voices trying to influence the G8 and G20 leaders. Right. But if all the religions can come together and push, for example, for uh, leadership and and primarily term in terms of poverty and the Millennium Development Goals, then perhaps they can really influence those political leaders to, to, to put issues of poverty first. Interesting. And another f religious leader that's going is you. Well, I'm not <laughs> sure I'm religious. I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm a, leader. a leader. You're a leader. But, uh, but, but I be will there. be there. Salt and Light will be there. And, and we'll be able to tell you more about it on Salt and Light Radio. And we will be reporting on it for Salt and Light's Daily Perspectives program. And, yeah. and you can watch those episodes at saltandlighttv.org. That's next Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, Thursday that this summit yes. is on. So uh, we hope for uh, an update from that. Maybe we'll uh, 
So we hope for an update uh, from that, from Winnipeg, from you. So thank you so much, Chris. Uh, as always, our trusty Salt and Light Radio News producer, Chris Dimitrenko. If you'd like to comment on anything you hear on our program, we do want to know if you think that smoking marijuana <laughs> is a religious right. Um, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. This is Fred Cacciati, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. One of the most effective and inspiring youth ministers I have ever heard is Steve Angrisano. He's honest, authentic, he's real. In the last 11 years of ministry, he's touched the lives of thousands of young people and adults alike. I met Steve again, as I do most of my uh, Catholic musician friends, as we were preparing for World Youth Day 2002. I'm not sure at what conference we met, but somewhere. And since then, I can say that we've grown to be able to call ourselves friends. Just uh, too bad that he lives in Colorado and I can't just go to this, you know, the weekday barbecue <laughs> that he's having today. Um, um, but we can talk on the phone. So that's where how we reached him today. Steve, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hey, glad to be with you. And, and we met at LA Congress in California. That's where we met. Anaheim? Remember. Yep, in Anaheim. Anaheim, yeah. See, good for you. Good to remember that. I, I wasn't sure if it had been NCYC in Indianapolis. Cause I think I don't, I, it could have been, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. So um, did you like how I, I plugged in your barbecue today? I loved it, and you know, you can say, if you hop a plane right now, um, I'm, I'm close enough that you could be eating steak by evening. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Steve, I, and I said 11 years, and I meant to ask you, so 11 years of ministry, more or less. Yeah, you know, it's, unfortunately, I'm getting older and older. So, <laughs> so about 16 years altogether. Is it 16 and years now? About 12 years now. 11 is about right. 11 to 12 yeah. years that I've been traveling on the road full time. Yeah, so it's like full time, 11 years. Yeah. So how did you get, okay, maybe two parts, because how did you get into ministry? And then how did that evolve into full time? You know, I, I got into ministry because I was a young person involved in it at my church. Uh, I went to the kind of events that I now speak at and, mm. and sing at, and I saw it just had a tremendous impact on me. A guy named Jerry Goble, I don't know if you've ever had yes. him on the show. But no, but I one know One of him. the first guys doing this, and one of the first guys I saw as a teenager that really uh, was a just eye-opening, faith-inspiring experience. and. So in the back of my mind, I suppose I always knew that such a thing was possible to be a musician, a speaker in the church, and and for the most part, though, I was just involved. I was a musician, even in high school, in choir and musicals and things. But, right. But I began to play music at mass. My first job out of college, I was a youth minister in a parish, and that was really how it began. I worked in a parish, did played music for Sunday evening mass, was a youth minister, and and it was very grassroots when people say, how do you get into this? I, I don't really know. You know, I think God opens the doors just one at a time. Yeah. Uh, people are calling me saying, will you help out with this retreat? Next thing you know, will you help out with this conference? And, and then I find myself writing the theme song for the National Youth Conference. But all that happened one step at a time. You right. know? So, so uh, I, I can't believe when I look back, I feel very blessed that I've done I've been a part of so many things that I've been a part of, including World Youth Day in Toronto. Yeah. Extraordinary. Which was the highlight of your career. Come on, admit <laughs> it. <laughs> well, you know, one of the highlights of my career is, is not, it's, it's not being a solo artist in front of thousands or anything, but I just, as you know, was on the stage singing with the choir and yeah. composing liturgy. And yeah. singing in the liturgy with, with the Holy Father was so moving. Neat. And, yeah, it was. And, 
John Paul, in a way, as if you remember, in a way, was saying goodbye in that yeah. in that homily, and I it, I cried like a baby listening yeah, to him. Yeah. I think he suspected he would not be back to another world. Yeah, I still cry when I look at all the footage and stuff. Like yeah. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> can, can we back up, like? Sure. Uh, 30 years and uh, what was it like growing up in the Angrisano home growing up in the Angrisano home was was an adventure I have I have just one brother but but the two of us I think were enough trouble for any two parents and uh, we you know I think from a faith perspective my my mom was the coordinator of confirmation when I was a kid too young to be confirmed but I grew up in a house where you know I was getting drugged to sit in the corner while she was talking to the confirmation kids, but it did shape me to that church became a part of our everyday life. Interesting. And, and I was a tennis player. That was my athletic endeavor. I was a really? state, state-ranked tennis player in Texas. Really? So I, yeah, I, I loved it. And it really came to a moment in my life where I, I, I grew up wanting to be, you know, to win Wimbledon and, and ended up having to make some choices. Do I want to pursue music and these things? And, yeah. and ultimately, I played less tennis and did more music. But that was my childhood passion. Well, a tennis racket is kind of like a guitar. My son holds them both the same way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, just to know for anyone who might be just tuning in, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro, and we're speaking with Steve Angrisano, our featured artist of the week. Now, Steve, you have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but five albums that are just you, right? I believe that's true, yes. And now this new one, Inescapable Love, we've been listening to some of the songs from the album. What's What's different about this album for you? A couple things different. One is this would be the most the most co-writing that I ever did on a yeah, recording. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, and I just loved the process. I loved working with Sarah Hart. Yes, and and she's a very talented lyrics write, lyric writer. And a lot of the songs began with with her lyrical ideas emailed to me and me putting some music to it and and us going back and forth. We were not in the same room for most of the songs. So but, did you did uh, you sorry, did you set out to write songs together or did that just kinda happen? Sarah said, Hey I got a, an idea, I think Steve would be good for it. Uh, a, a little bit of both, but I would say in this case I set out to write more with Sarah on this project because we wrote one or two together on my last recording, yeah, uh, my last studio album, which is, a, is called Welcome Home. And mm-hmm. the songs, uh, particularly a song called Sweet Redeemer, which has gotten yeah. a lot of uh, publishing, uh, it just it just was a natural. It just went very well. And and when when I started this recording, I realized you know I've always been bringing a few songs to the table that I'm really passionate about and a few that I think are good, and then there, there's that last four or five that you're like, okay, I want the whole album to be good, not just half. <laughs> and so I thought, let's, let's sit down with Sarah, play these songs, and see what comes of it. And, and so a couple of those songs made the grade, and a couple of the things she brought to the table, and then we wrote uh, uh, a couple of them together just in the moment in her, in her music writing room in Nashville. Nice, yeah. So we just heard "Pour Out Your Love." So that's a song that you co-wrote with her too, right? I did, in fact, and that's one that we wrote from scratch uh, in, in a, a nice in song. a writing room in Nashville at yeah. one of the publishers' nice places. Song. Nice song. Nice song. That was a an amazing process just to sit down, and they, uh, everything's built into the room, all the recording equipment, and we just yeah, we just isn't start that going, nice? You know? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, t- you're doing this this uh, little gig for Relevant Radio. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's been very exciting for me. I have a 30-minute Saturday show, and it's a primarily talk channel, and their Saturdays are variety. Lino Rulli has a show on yep. Saturdays, and he's also on Sirius, um, and yeah, I have a 30-minute 
really kind of a recorded version of what I do at a parish mission or in person, which is music and story kind of wound together, the difference being it's not me singing all the music. It's uh, the very best in contemporary Catholic music with some inspiration and, and just looking at, uh, obviously, in Lent and Advent, uh, tilted towards the seasons. But it's it's very storytelling, music-oriented, and it's been a pleasure to do. I get good feedback email-wise anyway, so I've enjoyed doing it. So that's good. So then, so that's, uh, you said weekly, you've been doing it for about a year or eight months or so? It's been about nine months. Yeah, nice. Okay, so um, we're almost out of time, eh? This is crazy. But oh. uh, I don't want to leave you without uh, you talking a little bit about You've been coming to Calgary for for a while now and I know you're coming back to Nova Scotia and Calgary is that correct yes that's correct so uh Steubenville Atlantic is in July July 30th the July 30th August 1st weekend that's right um, you're going to be in uh Antigonish Nova Scotia um is that the first time you go to Steubenville Atlantic that'll be my second time I was there last year for the first time and it was an amazing experience yeah that's a and good uh Conference. You know, one of the neatest things about coming uh, to these events, I've been coming to Calgary a couple of times this year, and I, I love the passion and the faith that I experience at these events. And if someone's never seen me do anything before, and they're like, what does this guy do? I would say very much it's the, it's the winding together of the music that I sing, that we all sing together, the stories of faith that get shared. And, and I try very hard for it to be an experience, not just a... I sat here and listened to this guy. And right, exactly. Yeah, and that's I, what, yeah. I've loved it. I've loved the, just the honest enthusiasm of especially the youth that I've encountered in Canada. No, and that's good because that's my experience of watching you do your thing, that it's very much, inter I don't know, you described it really well, uh, better than I could. Um, but yeah, that it's not just sitting, let's sit and listen to this guy. It's, it's very, I don't know, it's very uh, interactive, participatory. It makes me feel like I'm, involved um so that's steubenville atlantic july 30th august 1st and then you're in back in calgary august 21st for the one rock uh youth and young adult gathering so if anybody in in uh in calgary in the calgary area or in halifax antigonish area and nova scotia um and you want to go check out steve angrosano he's coming to your <laughs> to your town so uh look him up and you can find out about those conferences just call your diocesan offices in in Antigonish or in Calgary for more details. Um, Steve, that's all the time we have, man. But um, we're going to end with one of your songs, another song that you co-wrote with Sarah, All the Glory. Great. So, and that's a, another great song. So hopefully enough to get people uh, interested in uh, uh, hearing more of your music and learning more about you. And uh, when they hear your name at a conference, they can go and, and sign up for that workshop. That's awesome. And, the, and uh, the One Rock will be a terrific event that's really open to anyone who can get there in a car because uh, it's an outdoor event with Matt Maher and a whole bunch of people. That's right. Matt Maher is going to be there. And Sarah Hart's going to be on this show next week. So uh, that's, that's, wow, small world. So yeah. thank you so much, my friend. Enjoy your barbecue. Thank you. And we'll be in touch, okay? Alrighty. Okay, God bless. You too. Bye-bye. That was singer-songwriter Steve Angrisano. If you want to find out more about Steve, to purchase his music or to bring him to an event, uh, check out his website, steveangrisano.com. Um, uh, you can listen to his podcast, the Relevant Radio podcast, and on that site as well. Uh, check him out. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you'll enjoy what you find there. And here now, as promised, is Steve from his new album, Inescapable Love, the song All the Glory. Breathe. 
was our featured artist of the week, Steve Angrisano, with all the glory. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And our blog, again, can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. Now back with us is Mary Rose to take us on another trip up north. That's right, because last week I talked to Bishop Murray Chatlin of the Diocese of Mackenzie Fort Smith in Yellowknife. Now, Bishop Gary Gordon is in the neighboring diocese of Whitehorse and faces similar challenges. He even says that although he is the bishop, you would never see him in the main cathedral in Whitehorse. And that's because he has to go to where his priest can't go. He doesn't have enough priests. So I talked to Bishop Gary Gordon a few days ago about his mission to be a lighthouse in the wilderness. Hello, Bishop Gary. Thanks for joining us for Salt and Light Radio. Thanks, Mary Rose. Good to talk to you. Now, can you give us an idea or a picture of your mission territory? What are you dealing with? Well, the area is all of the Yukon and the northern part of British Columbia. It's an area of 725,000 square kilometers with a total population of about 38,000 people and a Catholic population of about 7,500 spread out over that whole area. And now I understand you only have six priests covering 22 parish mission parish mission territories. How, how does that work? Well, it means that uh, everybody except the uh, rector of the cathedral is on the road almost every weekend, including myself. Uh, rarely will you find me at the cathedral because I go to the places where they have no priest. 
Um, it's significantly better than it was last year. Last year there was only four priests, so people would wait three or four months for Mass. Well, with six priests, every community, and this is the great blessing in my life, every community in the diocese has Mass and the sacraments at least once a month. Wow. And that's, that's a, a real blessing. Now, can you tell me then what kind of mission that is for a priest to go there and then know that in their parish there could be just 10 people for a Sunday Mass? What kind of missionary, I guess, needs to live and breathe in your diocese? Well, I suppose the best description for a missionary in our diocese is like a lighthouse keeper. You know, there you are in your mission with a little church and, and a pretty adequate house, and you're keeping the lights on so that uh, the light of Christ is sort of shining and available, the gospel is available, the sacraments are available uh, to very small congregations. Uh, our Catholic population is small, and in these small communities like Atlin or Mayo or Teslin, Telegraph Creek, Iskut, um, it's very small, and so uh, the little Catholic practicing community is very strong because you have to be strong to survive up here. Now, what are your future plans in the, in the diocese? Well, one, one of the things that, uh, you know, with the website and with a little bit of a video out there on YouTube uh, to get people interested in the whole concept of the Church's mission. And whether that's the mission in Toronto or the mission in the Diocese of Whitehorse, it's the same mission. There are hundreds of thousands of people in Toronto who do not know the Lord. There are thousands of people in the Diocese of Whitehorse who do not know the Lord. And so to get out behind the walls of the rectory and into the lives of people in the communities is really what it's all about. Now, I understand you plan to uh, build a retreat center for people. How are you going to do that, and how are you going to get people to get there with uh, well, you know, the, the challenges? Well, we've got this wonderful little plan. It's called Marry Our Morning Star retreat house. Um, it hasn't gotten off the ground yet, but we've got the property. Um, it's a bit of a dream, but uh, we need a place to gather our pastoral staff. We have lay couples, we have some sisters, and we have some priests. And when we come together for a meeting, it isn't just driving to a meeting for the afternoon and going home. Uh, it means they have to come, they have to stay for two or three days, and then we meet. And so we're trying to build a, a a facility that will house our pastoral staff uh, throughout the diocese when we come together, uh, and also to provide a place of uh, spiritual care and spiritual teaching and the faith uh, for the people of the diocese and for other people to uh, come and enjoy and come and see and come to be in communion with the Lord. We'll be praying for that, for that dream. Oh, it's a great adventure, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bishop Gary. Well, it's very good talking to you, Mary Rose. God bless you. So that was Bishop Gary Gordon, Bishop of the Diocese of Whitehorse. To find out more about what they're doing, go to their website, whitehorsediocese.org. Nice place. I was just there, as you know, Whitehorse. Uh, if you are looking for something to do with your life, 
go up to Whitehorse. They not just need priests, but they need young lay couples that want to help out in the church. So uh, there's my plug for uh, Bishop Gary. Um, and uh, as always, remember to let us know about what's happening in your diocese, your events. So send Mary Rose an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. And for all you In Your Faith fans, you've been waiting for those last episodes of Season 2. So here it is, Tuesday, June 22nd at 8 p.m. In Your Faith, following episode, What is Anointing of the Sick? So that's an all-new In Your Faith on Tuesday, June 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. And on Friday, June 25th, we have a film titled... We have a table for four ready about the St. Francis Inn of Kensington, Pen Philadelphia, rather. And, and this film focuses on the daily meal service to 500 people by Franciscan friars and their powerful experience of love, laughter, and tears. So that's We Have a Table for Four ready on Friday, June 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. And on Saturday, there's a documentary on the life and work of St. Jose Maria Escriva, founder of Opus Dei. Yeah, this is a great documentary called A Gift of God. It airs Saturday, June 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern and repeats at 9 p.m. Pacific. And following A Gift of God, we will be airing the premiere of the film from Benedict to Benedict, 90 years of the Knights of Columbus in Rome. Yeah, I'm very excited to watch. I love the title, From <laughs> Benedict to Benedict. Very excited to watch this uh, documentary. It's the story of the Knights of Columbus in Rome since 1920. I don't think that you want to miss this. It's on Saturday, June 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's 6 and 10 p.m. Pacific. And all those times and details can be found on our programming schedule. So visit our website, saltandlighttv.org, and it's all there. Also, if you are outside our broadcast area, you can watch our program streaming live at that same site, saltandlighttv.org. And if audio podcasts are your thing, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio, where you can listen to or download all our Salt and Light Radio programs. So that's it for tonight. Send us comments on anything that you hear on this program, radio at saltandlighttv.org. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there listening. Keep up the good work. I'm Mary Rose Bacani. And I'm Pedro, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Salt and Light.